Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, uh, turn with me to the book of Acts. Let's go to chapter 1, verses 15 through 26. We've been looking at this series, uh, the beginning of the church. We're looking at part 3 this morning. We know that Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus. We know he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. We know that Jesus has ascended now into heaven. He tells his disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait there for the promise of the Holy Spirit. We will experience that in Acts chapter 2. The promise of the Holy Spirit will come according to the prophecy of Joel chapter 2. But here in Acts chapter 1, verses 15 through 26, I believe the disciples took upon themselves to select the 12th man that was to replace Judas Iscariot. I need to ask this question. Was this of God or was this of the flesh? Because it seems that Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians 15 in verse 8, we know him as a formerly Saul of Tarsus. He declares himself as the apostle born out of due season. And so here this morning in Acts chapter 1 again, verses 15 through 26, as we've been looking at the beginning of the church, the New Testament church, we're looking at part 3 now. Matthias seems to be the one chosen uh, to replace uh, Judas Iscariot. And sometimes when we look at tasks, we take it upon ourselves and sometimes, in a sense, we, we think, well, God needs my help. And, and yet, was it Matthias or was it Paul the Apostle? Because he declares himself an apostle. You know, I really don't know the answer. But there's something about Matthias. Obviously, he was part of the entourage uh, of Jesus' ministry. He was probably one of the 70 uh, that is spoken of in Luke chapter 10. But we don't know anything else about him. And yet, the lot seemed to fall upon him. And so, let's get into the study. In verse 15, we begin, And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Uh, altogether, the number of the names was uh, about 120. And said, and so Peter, in a sense, becomes a spokesman. In those days, in other words, between the ascension of Jesus Christ uh, to the day of Pentecost, uh, Peter, the spokesman, stood up in the midst of the disciples. Notice, as we shared last week, there's 120 in the upper room. Uh, they're waiting patiently on God. And then verse 16, we're going to see, Peter suggests we choose the 12th one. And uh, I've struggled with this for years. I've read it. Was this a group thing? Did the Holy Spirit speak to Peter? He doesn't say uh, that they talk amongst themselves. But either way, they wanted to replace this 12th man. And so in verse 16, men and brethren, this is Peter, uh, this scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning uh, Judas Iscariot, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Peter's words show much wisdom. We did not see him 
in this type of uh, force, in this type of stepping out by faith before. He, he begins by noting uh, that Judas uh, didn't spoil God's plan. In fact, Peter says the scripture had to be fulfilled. And I want you to see that this morning. Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus. The scripture had to be fulfilled. Now, the question always arises, what if Judas Iscariot repented ahead of time and would not have betrayed Jesus? The Bible says the scripture must be fulfilled. Somehow, some way, Jesus would have been betrayed. When Jesus comes in and the triumphal entry, some of the disciples said, stop it. The people are crying out a messianic cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, the son of David. Remember what Jesus said, even if I stop them, these very stones, these very rocks would cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David, because the scripture would have to be fulfilled. And so that is important this morning. This is something uh, that the Holy Spirit, I believe, uh, gave Peter wisdom and maturity to see even when evil takes place. And that is that Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. There's two points here that are very important in my life and in your life if we're believers, if we believe in the Scriptures. Number one, the Scripture must and will be fulfilled. What if it was not Judas? What if it would have been somebody else? Either way, the Scripture would be fulfilled. Uh, secondly, the Scriptures are God-breathed. As he spoke the words to man... Peter here is a simple fisherman. He trusted in God's word. He had this faith in God. And yet the Holy Spirit hasn't come upon completely on Peter. The word of God is powerful and is sharper than a two-edged sword. That's what the scriptures tell us. That's why you come and, and you listen. And that's why the Holy Spirit brings conviction. Because God's word, listen. God's word will never go void. And so two points are made. Number one, Scripture is going to be fulfilled. Number two, <laughs> Scripture is God-breathed. From Genesis to Revelation. I want you to turn to this passage with me. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Now, I have been studying the Scriptures for many, many years. Some of you have been studying other Scriptures for many years. Some of you have been part of this church uh, for the length of time that I've been here. And you know that the Word of God is going to come forth. And you're challenged by the Word of God. And, and the Word of God gets a hold of you, and, and basically you're seeking God. And you're sincere with God. He's going to be sincere with you. Uh, the Scriptures will speak to you. They're not just words that have been penned by man. They're anointed words. And so a lot of people struggle with this. But listen to what Paul is sharing with young Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor. He had to have been at least 30 years old, but he was a young pastor. And, and there was a lot of struggles in this young man's heart. He wanted to leave the ministry. I believe that he was looking for a way of escape. And so uh, Paul writes First and Second Timothy, and they were for Timothy, and, and instructions to be used for the church, for the church leadership. 
And so in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, the caption in my Bible, verses 15 through 17, men of God and the word of God. Listen to that. Men of God and the word of God. Verse 15. And that from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures. He's encouraging Timothy. From childhood, you have known of the Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Mark this Scripture down. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, the proverb is a book of wisdom, and it says, Train up a child in the ways of the Lord, and when he is old, when she is old, they will not depart. How important it is to the parents. Now, we, ha we have the children in the back, and we will give them instruction. We have good teachers. Pastor Jay has done this for years, and his family. And then some of you have been uh, helpers and teachers and such. And, and you don't go in there unprepared. You want to teach the children. But then we only have them for a season here on, on Sunday morning and on Wednesday night. What are they getting at home? And so train up a child in the ways of the Lord. And when he is old, he will not depart. We know in First and Second Timothy that Timothy's mom was instrumental in teaching him. And then gra grandma was in, involved in teaching him. And so this young man, as he was growing up, was schooled well in the scripture. But look at what Paul says in verse 16, what we're speaking about this morning. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable, number one, for doctrine. And secondly, for reproof. And thirdly, for correction. And then fourthly, for instruction. Instruction in what? In righteousness. Now, if you look at a Greek lexicon, if you get a hold of a strong dictionary of Greek words, uh, the scripture says here, all scripture, not some, but all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The translation is that it's God-breathed. God-breathed. When I come up here on Sunday morning, when I come up here on Wednesday, uh, the word of God that I'm giving to you is God-breathed. As the Holy Spirit gives the instructions. So, it's divinely breathed by God. Doctrine are instructions from God. The purpose of reproof is to bring conviction. Uh, the word of God corrects us. Listen to the translation. It straightens us up. It straightens my life. It straightens my doctrine, my theology, as we go through the word of God. Not some scripture, all scripture. Look at verse 17. Uh, that the man of God may be complete thoroughly. That the woman of God may be complete uh, thoroughly. And the purpose is to equip you for every good work. God wants to perfect us. God wants to complete us, and we're not complete, but he is completing us. But I like the word equipped. He is preparing us. He's finishing up the furniture. Uh, that's uh, the translation of the Greek text. God doesn't just, you know, put a chair out there. God doesn't just put a, a small piece of carpet out there. Uh, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You want to furnish the whole household. You want to furnish it even if you're taking your time. You know, you start with the living room. You start with the dining room. You want to furnish the bedrooms. 
that you want to take care of the bathrooms. And so that's what God does in my life and he does in your life as we continue to study the word. He equips us for the purpose of being ready for the work of God. That's why we come. That's why you're a student. That's why you're a pupil. That's why you're a disciple, a learner of Christ. Look at verse 17. As we get back, uh, as we, we want to finish verse 17 here again. Uh, that the man of God, that the woman of God may be complete thoroughly. Equipped for every good work. How important it is. And so Peter receives from the Lord. And he's receiving from the Lord the instructions that have already been given in the scripture. That Judas Iscariot would betray the Lord. Now, was it in scripture uh, to choose out the 12th man? And we'll have to come to a conclusion with that. And so let's go back to our text now. And look at verse 17. For he was numbered. We're speaking about Judas. So Peter's bringing it forth. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part of this ministry. Speaking of Judas Iscariot, he was numbered with us, Peter says. Jesus never kicked him out. He never was kicked out of the ministry or kicked out of the circle of ministry. He was part of the ministry. He held the checkbook. We studied that in time past. He partook. Listen, he saw the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. Judas was there when the 5,000 were fed. Judas was there when the 4,000 were fed. Judas was there when the 10 lepers were healed. I've always thought of this. Judas and so many others were there when Lazarus rises from the dead. Remember his sister? Lord, they're going to roll back to stone, but by now he smells, he stinketh. Lazarus, come forth. And he did. What did Judas do with these? Remember we've shared in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, we have in the scriptures approximately 35 miracle signs and wonders. There were many more other miracle signs and wonders, but this is what we have in the text. You're with Jesus for three and a half years. You've seen the work. You've seen the blind come to sight. You've seen the, the lame and the maim healed before you. When they fed the 5,000, the baskets that were taken in, after of leftovers, all from a few fish and a few barley loaves. Judas saw it all. He was part of it. But what intrigues me the most, Jesus never kicked him out. I want you to think of yourself. I think of myself, the things I've done, the things you've done. Has God, you know, discarded us? No, he loves us. God's love is incredible. When we, we speak of unmerited favor, it just continues. The grace of God, unmerited favor. We have to go to this text. Leave a marker. Go to Matthew chapter 13 with me. You see, through the years, being in ministry, from time to time I'll have an eager uh, leader from the church here. And they see somebody and, you know, they hear about somebody uh, in the ministry here. And they say, Pastor Bob, uh, maybe we should ask them to leave. And I said, why? 
And you want to turn around and say, has he ever asked you to leave? And I have to tell you, in 32 plus years of ministry here, I've never asked anybody to leave. And I probably never will. You'd probably have to murder somebody in the church. And even then, God can forgive you, can't he? Listen to the parable of the tares among the wheat. Now, I'm going to read it to you out of the New Living Translation because the word tares are the weeds. The word tares represent the non-believer, the guy that's causing problems, the girl that's causing problems. Listen to what Jesus says here. Matthew 13, look at verse 24 now. Here's another story Jesus told, speaking about the parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted a good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds. Those are the tares among the wheat. Then he slipped away. In verse 26, uh, when the crop began to grow and to produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmers work, the farmers, workers, went to him and said, Sir, uh, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds now. It's full of tares. Where did they come from? Where did they come from? Are there tares among the wheat today? Are there weeds in the church today? I'm talking about the church across the nation. And the answer is yes. In fact, we were part of those weeds at one time or another. And thank God nobody threw us out. But I cringe when uh, somebody new comes into the church, and sometimes it's a, a, you know, a transient, sometimes it's a homeless, and sometimes they don't smell uh, so good or so well, and people don't want to sit by them. People want nothing to do with them. Let me tell you something. Jesus did not go uh, to the religious sect. Jesus went to the harlots, the whoremongers, the publicans, the tax collectors that were much hated. Jesus went to the wine-bibbers, the alcoholics. Jesus went down where the people of sin were. And so listen to what the parable is teaching. In verse 28, an enemy has done this. The farmers explained. We pull out the weeds, they ask. Should we pull out the weeds? I love Jesus' response or the parable here. No, he replied. You'll, re, you'll uproot the wheat if you do that. In verse 30, and here's the answer. Let both grow together, the tares among the wheat. Until the time of the harvest, then I will tell the harvester to sort out the weeds or the tares, tie them into a bundle and burn them up and to put them, uh, the wheat in the barn. <laughs> Sometimes we look at people the same way. People are different. They're, they're not like you. Uh, thank God. Not everybody's like us, right? Imagine. If everybody in the world were like you, you go, wait a minute, let's, let's stop right there. There's things that I do and things that I think, and I don't want everybody to be like me. That's why we're all different. That's why we're all different. And so the tares among the wheat, let Jesus take care of them. When the harvest comes, 
Those that did not serve the Lord, those that did not receive Christ as their Lord and Savior will be cast into the fire. God forbid that we would ask them to leave. And I know uh, there are some churches that have asked people to live, uh, to leave, that is, because, hey, listen, we don't dress like that here. We don't allow piercings. We don't allow tattoos. We don't allow, wait a minute. Doesn't God look at the heart? Doesn't God look at the heart? Now, I don't have any tattoos, but I don't tell anybody that has them, you can't come in. I do tell them, come back and show me your tattoos when you're 80. <laughs> you know, that flower that's here is going to be down there. That's another story. The tares among the wheat. Let's go back to our text. Look at verse 18. Now this man, he's speaking about Judas Iscariot. This man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, the, the wages of sin, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. Now this man is Judas Iscariot. Uh, Judas Iscariot purchased the field. Now, he did not purchase it himself, but his actions did. Uh, Judas was given 30 pieces of silver for the wages paid to him from the Sanhedrin for betraying Jesus with a kiss. When he realized what he had done, listen, betrayed the Son of God, the Savior of the world, he took the money back and he threw it in the temple, and they, in turn, uh, said, this is blood money, and could not uh, put it back into the temple treasury. And so they bought a parcel of land. It's called a potter's field for burying the poor. And then Judas committed suicide. He hung himself. Uh, the rope snaps, breaks. He falls headfirst. His body literally explodes, and the entrails come forward. So, now, let's take it back to the tares among the wheat. The tares among the wheat were removed. Judas Iscariot removed it himself. He was part of that harvest. I do not believe that Judas is in heaven. He repented, but he repented that he got caught. Interesting, several years back, my wife was working for the county here, and uh, when you have uh, homeless and you have people that uh, do not claim the body of a loved one, uh, they actually have it cremated. Uh, Doniana County pays for that. And then they put your cremations, uh, the ashes away, and they have to hold them for about two years. And uh, they take it beyond that. They hold it about three years. And so they asked my wife if I would do um, a service uh, for seven unclaimed bodies. They were ashes now, seven little boxes, uh, about the size of a, a cereal box. And uh, over here, uh, one of the cemeteries, I don't know the name of it, uh, it's off of uh, Las Cruces Avenue. It's one of the older cemeteries here. Uh, there's a plot there, and it's called uh, the Potter's Field plot. It's for the down and out. 
that people are unclaimed, and it's really a shame. And in some cases, they don't even have a name. And so it's a John Doe or John Dan, or a, what is it? A Jane. There you go. John Jane. <laughs> anyway, you know, they, they asked my wife. My wife says, would you like? I said, I'd love to do it. And she goes, all my coworkers are, are going to be there. Oh, I really want to be there. <laughs> and so I gave a, a beautiful service. But, you know, it really broke my heart. God forbid that I would not claim the, the body of one of my loved ones. Show respect for the dead. And they, they do do it periodically. And I was blessed. But I never had done officiating at a gravesite for seven remains. It was incredible. And that's the potter's field. It's still active, not just here, but across the nation. And so we know that Judas Iscariot went out and hung himself. Look at verse 19 now. And it came to become, excuse me, and it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. And so that field is called, uh, in their own language, Akaladama. It says, that is, translated, field of blood. If you're taking notes, in Matthew chapter 27, verses 8 and 9, that field has been called uh, the field of blood to this day, Matthew writes. Listen to this, fulfilling the Old Testament passage in Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 through 13. Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 and 13. The acts of the priest in purchasing the field would make it known. The name of the field would preserve the memory of the guilt of Judas Iscariot. Here we are reading it today. And so it's... it's it's well-known. It's well-known. In verse 20, for it is written, listen, it goes further now. In the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate. Speaking about Judas Iscariot. And let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Speaking about Judas Iscariot. He's the 12th, and they want to replace the 12th. Peter knew the Old Testament uh, parchments, and yet he was a simple fisherman. He quotes two passages, if you're taking notes. Number one, in Psalm 69, verse 25, let their dwelling place be desolate. Let no one live in their tents, Psalm 69, verse 25. The second quotation is Psalm 109, verse 8. Psalm 109, verse 8, let his days be few, and let another take his office. In other words, Judas Iscariot would be replaced. But it doesn't say that the disciples were to choose the replacement. That's what I'm seeing in the scriptures. Look at verse 21 now. Go back to our text. Therefore, one of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. And so those who had witnessed the life and the work of Christ for the past three and a half years, who were qualified, listen, to fulfill the office from which a Judas Iscariot fell. 
The scripture says here, went in and out. Went in and out. Albert Barnes in his uh, commentary says, this was a phrase uh, signifying uh, that he, Judas Iscariot, was their constant companion. It expresses in general all the actions of the life of Judas Iscariot. Listen, Judas Iscariot was part of the ministry, but he failed. But Jesus gave him room. Jesus gave him plenty of room. He held the checkbook. Jesus, Son of God, Savior of the world. Listen, he knows who's going to betray him, but he hands him the checkbook. And then Judas, when things happen, we could have sold that alabaster box for uh, money to give to the poor. No, the indications in Scripture is that Judas was skimming off the top. And yet Jesus left him in the ministry. You and I in our flesh nature, I know you're going to betray me beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know you're going to betray me. I'm going to keep you around. I'm going to trust you with a checkbook? No, that's our nature. But I think Jesus gave him every opportunity. Listen, Jesus gave him every opportunity. Now, I want you to think, because, boy, I've thought of this all week as I've been going over this. How many times Jesus gave me Jesus gave you another opportunity. Ah, thank you, Lord. How many times I've come to the Lord, Lord, uh, forgive me again. You know, I've never heard no. I've never heard, this is the last time, Bob. Listen to God's love, church. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Mm. Now these guys are going to go ahead and choose somebody to replace uh, Judas Iscariot. Notice verse 22. They're going to choose somebody that's part of their midst beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And so here's the requirement of an apostleship. That's what they're giving us here. Number one, be there from the beginning of John the Baptist's ministry. And so it's obvious to me that this Bar Sabbath, and also, uh, Matthias were part of this until now. Until the time of the resurrection. Listen to the second point. Uh, they must be an eyewitness, listen, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now you have to ask, what about Paul? What about Paul? Was Paul there during the time of, of John the Baptist? I don't think so. Or was he? I don't think Paul was there at the crucifixion, or was he? Was Paul part, did he know, and did he see the risen Christ? These are things that, uh, are these man-made laws? 
Or is this direct from the Holy Spirit? We don't get an insight there. Are these God's requirements? That's what I'm trying to say. Or are they man's requirements? <laughs> uh, look at verse 23 now. And they proposed. They proposed two men. Out of so many others. Two men. Uh, because back in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent out 70 disciples. Two by two, it said. Go. Go. Now, out of those out of those 70, they picked these two. And how do you know you picked the right two? Well, they're going to cast lots. Now, did casting lots, did God approve of that? He used it in the Old Testament. Was it the Urim and the Thummim? Was it the yes and no stones that were used by the priest? Because that's what we see in the Old Testament. There was a little pouch behind the breastplate, and there would be the two stones. One was a lighter stone, one was a darker stone. One was considered a yes, one was considered a no. And so they would ask a yes or no question, and they kind of jingle the rocks around and then bring it out. And they assumed that's what the answer was from God. Now, don't go home and try these things, because you better seek the Lord. You better seek the Lord. Uh, listen, verse 23, and, and they propose, and he's going to speak about two, a Joseph called Barsabbas. Some say this is Barnabas. We have no idea. And then he says, who was surnamed Justice? And then another man by the name of Matthias. So is this from the Holy Spirit? Or is this from man? I'll tell you what. You can't come up with the answer. But God allows it. But then what about Paul later? You see, God's accomplishments will always come to pass. Even if I choose the wrong way, you choose the wrong way. I've made decisions that were not of God, and I've seen him change it. I've seen him change it. And so look at verse 24 now. And they prayed and they said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, Show which of these two you have chosen. They made a good prayer. It's a great prayer. Which one, Lord? How did they determine out of the 70 if that's where these two came from? How did they determine these two? Where did they come from? They were part of the entourage, obviously. They were part of the group. But we don't get a lot of insight here. Notice now. He says, to take part in this ministry, in verse 25, an apostleship from which Judas Iscariot, by transgression, his sin nature, he fell, that he might go uh, to his own place. There are those that, that say he went to hell. It sure looks like he went to hell. I've always thought, did he repent at the very last? I don't know the answer. But I know he was given every opportunity. And here in verse 26, and they cast their lots, and they cast their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with all. With, he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So Matthias becomes the 12th apostle. 
my thinking is, <laughs> what about poor Joseph Barsabbas? I didn't get chosen. They didn't pick me. The stupid rock didn't fall in my place. <laughs> I mean, what a bummer, huh? I beat out the 70, if that's where they came from. But now, there's two of us, and he probably looks over at Matthias and he goes, hmm, I'm younger. I got better looks. I mean, I don't know. But our nature, even though when you say, oh, God bless you, I, I, I'm, I'm grateful you won. Yeah, right. You got the two fingers in the back, giving them the evil eye. You see them walking. I hope they slip. You're, you're thinking all these things. Am I the only one? But God chose. Later we'll study. And you're going to see why. Paul the Apostle was such a big part of the early church. After Acts chapter 9, Paul the Apostle takes the lead. Not that the other 11 didn't, but we don't hear anything about Matthews. Nothing, historically or biblically. Now, what's interesting to me that there has to be a 12th apostle. I want you to write this down. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 14, Revelation 21, verse 14, uh, the new Jerusalem, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on, on them were 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And again, you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8, Paul the apostle, the one born out of due season. So how do you deal with that? I'm going to share something with you. Some of you know this, some of you don't. But 30-plus uh, years ago, Mary and I were in Southern California. We're praying about uh, coming out into ministry. I had gone to shepherd school for a year, and uh, we want to come out and serve the Lord somewhere, somehow. Uh, God put it in our hearts uh, to come to New Mexico. And uh, it was a great, grand ordeal in my life and Mary's life. Uh, we prayed a lot. We fasted a lot. Uh, we sought a lot of counseling. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 30, uh, 32 years old. I have three kids. Uh, I have a job. My wife has a job. Uh, we have our, our household. And, and to pick up roots, to sell everything, and to move 850 miles, my family thought I was crazy. Now, my wife and I, we were in tune. I was not going to go without her acknowledging the move. And so we knew through visions, through dreams, uh, through prophecy, that we were to move to New Mexico. Uh, the hard part is we didn't know the city. And so one day, I, in a sense, casted lots. I took uh, 20 names uh, from New Mexico. Now, I'll grant you, I never had been here. I knew about Santa Fe. I knew about Albuquerque. I didn't know about any other place. And so I wrote down, when you look at a map, the bigger the names, and if they're on the map, they have to be a city, right? And so we took 20 names. Some of those names that we've come across since then, uh, we thank God he didn't send us there. 
La Luz, New Mexico was called La Luz, New Mexico because they have one light. <laughs> so I took the 20 names and I put them in a box and I shook them. And I asked the Lord to show us where to move. Las Cruces, New Mexico came out. I didn't get excited. I mean, it just jumps out of the box. I put the names back. I said, Lord, you got to show me a second time. Second time, Las Cruces, New Mexico came out. Now I'm starting to get a little bit of hair raising up in the back, a little bit of goosebumps, and I says, okay, Lord, forgive me. I'm going to throw all the names away just in case the way I folded them, that's how they were able to pop out. And I rewrote the names and put it back in the box, and I said, Lord, show me one more time, and I will never ask you again. Las Cruces, New Mexico, came out the third time. That's why we moved here. I could not pick up and move with my family without knowing the voice of God. And so let me share this with you. Since then, I've tried that method. It doesn't work anymore. <laughs> it doesn't work anymore. So when you think about it, was Matthias the 12th apostle? Was Paul the Apostle born out of due season? These are things that God does. And you seek him through prayer. I know, my wife knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is where we belong. And I have shared with so many pastors, and they're amazed that I did that. And then I go, oh, I'm amazed that you just drove where you drove. And you say, I'm going to start a church. And a lot of the Calvary Chapel pastors, they've gone and started try to start churches in several places, and they keep going until they feel God's going to use them. I couldn't do that. I had to know where to go. And it was struggle enough being here, knowing this is where God uh, sent us. And many times uh, we would share and in prayer, and I would cry, Lord, we're dying here. We're dying here. And yet, this is where God has sustained us. And look what he's done. Look at the ministries that have come out of this, this church. I mean, God has done a work, and all by listening to his voice. Is that casting a lot? I don't know. It worked for me at the time. And so, Judas Iscariot went out and hung himself. And the lot was cast upon Matthias. We read later that it was Paul the Apostle born out of due season. There will be a 12th man because according to Revelation chapter 21, verse 14. And so God is in control. God is in charge. We're going to end in a word of prayer, and we're going to partake of communion. We haven't had communion for a while. I like to wait upon the Lord for communion. It's very important to me because in our Catholic upbringing, uh, we had communion all the time. And so we want it to be very meaningful. But I need to ask you, before we receive communion, the Bible says you must be born again of the Holy Spirit. Or else communion is just a piece of bread and it's just a cup. You must be born again. And so if you've never received Christ right there where you're at, 
You need to receive him in your heart. And I want you to take this time in receiving communion. Some of you are going through some physical pains. I know. You've come up for prayer. I'm going to ask you to step out by faith and say, Lord, I need your healing. Lord, touch my body. Lord, touch me. And some of you, he has touched, and he's going to uh, touch you more. Lord, we seek a healing from you. We're going to use that for our communion service. So let's all stand, and we're going to prepare. The guys are going to come up. Let's pray. Uh, the ushers are going to come up and just give you direction here. Uh, Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we worship you, Lord. We ask you uh, to prepare the communion table for us, Lord. We ask you to prepare uh, the hearts of the people for the communion table. Let there not be any sin nature in us. But, Lord, we confess our sins now, and we ask you, Lord, to cleanse us and wash us, empty us of ourselves, and, and prepare us uh, for the communion table. And, Lord, those that are... Uh, uh, seeking a healing, Lord, touch them. Touch them. They need a divine touch uh, from you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, the guys, are, the team here is going to uh, take us through some uh, communion service songs. The ushers are up here in the front, and they're going to get out of your way. I want you to walk through here, and then uh, I want you to start in the back. Let's go this way and pick up the cup and pick up the bread and then take it back to your seat and then we'll take the bread and the cup together, okay? Uh, let's start back there. How about these guys? Away in the way. 
What an honor, what a blessing uh, to partake of the communion service, especially on Sunday morning, especially at the conclusion uh, of our teaching. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verses 23 uh, to 26, uh, Paul gives us instructions of the Lord's Supper. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. And here's the key. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us hold up the bread together. Uh, Father, we ask that you bless the bread now. We do this in remembrance of you, of what took place at Calvary. As your body was broken for us, as your body was beaten for us, and all to give us life, life eternal. You went to the cross willingly uh, to give us life. And so, Father, uh, we acknowledge the communion service. We thank you for the communion service. And, and, Lord, some of us are standing here in the communion service asking you uh, for a divine touch. We're asking you for a healing. Uh, Lord, we ask you to go before us now and touch our physical bodies, touch our, 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 our spiritual minds and hearts, that they would be after your heart and after your mind. Uh, Lord, bless this time now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's partake of the bread together. Let us also hold up the cup. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. And again, in remembrance of me. And then he concludes, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Father, we hold the cup 
and we pray. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace and your love and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, as we partook of the bread and now the cup. We're reminded, Lord, of the precious blood that was shed at Calvary. As they drove the nails into your hands and to your feet. As they took the, the lance and they pierced your side. And we know that water and blood came forth. We know that crown of thorns, the Palestinian thorns that were sharp, that were long, that were pointed, they were very uh, strong. And not only did they press the crown on you, but they took a reed and they smashed it down. The capillaries exploded and the blood came forth. Lord, it's by your precious blood that we are healed. Lord, touch the physical bodies of those that have come up for prayer. Bless the cup now, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. And we all agree by saying amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Father, we thank you for the study this morning, the teaching this morning, the instructions from uh, the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the breaking of bread together, the partaking of the cup, the remembrance of the communion table, of what took place at the cross. Lord, bless this time as your church has stepped out by faith now. Lord, bless the offerings this morning as you've given to us we give back a portion. And Lord, we are just, we stand in awe, Lord, of your promises of your holiness. Lord, heal our bodies again. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And we all agree by saying amen.